Hello there, and welcome to the Wall of Weird, or the Wall of Wired. Yes, uh, due to a uh, spelling mistake <laughs> on my part, uh, which cleaned up before this, so I didn't need to admit to it. But there you go, own your mistakes. Um, you right, so yes, uh, we're back. Uh, this is our second proper episode. Uh, we have reviewed Rogue already. Um and now we're back for Nicodemus. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I don't know if I'll do a, a little intro from everyone on this with when they first saw it or whatever, or whether we should just get straight into it. Should we just let's get straight get into, into it? it. Let's we just got get the straight channel into trailer. It. We got the previous video. Come on, let's, we, let's dive in. We've got it. Let's let's just do this. Okay, so uh, what we'll do, as will become the norm, uh, we. we, we I will take us through each scene and we will discuss each scene as we go. And there may even be a few clips thrown in for good measure. So Nicodemus, we start the episode with a crazy man on the road who is uh, looking rather hyper. And he, he tries to ram Jonathan off the road because he's that hyper. Um, he kind of fails in, in that regard and ends up kind of coming off the road himself in a rather dramatic car turnover in which the car explodes once Jonathan saves this guy, pulls him out of the vehicle. And then Jonathan gets sprayed with uh, a, a CGI plant, basically. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that is our intro. Um, thoughts on this intro, guys? I I think everyone was screaming at Jonathan, just pull over. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I, I love how frantic this guy is. He's, he's like, I've never seen anyone so frantically road rageous. Um, it, it just a little over the top, you might say. That might be a little, little bit, designed little bit. to be road rages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was affected by some supernatural thing. So he was, but you, you don't know that until you get into the episode. Obviously, right. watching this episode on on a repeat viewing, you kind of you you know that going in. But I think seeing this for the first time, yeah. you'd be like, "What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah? This guy's a bit over the top in it. Come on, well, calm funny, down." My last view of this, I didn't, I, I did not too long ago as I was doing all the Smallville season reviews on my channel. And I hadn't seen this episode in a while and I forgot what it was about. So I kind of had that <laughs> fresh thing going into it until I it jogged my memory and went, oh, that's right, the Nicodemus flower. So I had that moment like, Jonathan, pull over. I mean, if somebody's that much of a maniac, right, what's his problem? Like, I'm sitting there thinking, this. I mean, I know I can be a little bit of a melodramatic person in my life, but my gosh, that guy is taking the cake right now. And then I remembered, and I was like, oh, that, that's still melodramatic. I like, though, that Jonathan's listening to that song that he's listening to in his car, and he's just chilling. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what the song is, though? It's just, it's just a good old boy. It's the theme tune for oh, Dukes yeah. of Hazard. Mm -hmm. By wow. Waylon Jennings, and, and it's then, like of course, it's a crazy song. car scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he does some uh, pretty impressive driving in this yeah. episode at one point as well. Oh, we'll get there, mm -hmm. but, Can't wait um, to get there. Yeah, yeah it, 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 and then off. the other part is I always in Smallville cars have to blow up when they get in an accident <laughs> <laughs> and blow up spectacularly. Yes. So I got I, I got a little bit. 
confused <laughs> at first because the, the the guy with the road rage is driving a red pickup kind of car and and, well, and, and the blue I'm, one I'm used to seeing uh, like the Kents driving the red one. I, I forgot yep. that they had a blue one in the in, in the first season. So yeah, that threw me off a bit. But yeah, so I, I noticed that the characters also know that cars blow up really fast, right? When you get an accident, like this is yep. in universe for them. So when somebody gets in a car accident, they have to get them out right now. Mm -hmm. Right now, good, good thinking. with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We just need that magic ticket, pull them mm. out of that world into our world, and see how they react to a car that does not blow up. You know, you know what I would have liked to have seen instead happen is is Jonathan really rush to get this guy out because he knows it's going to blow, and then it doesn't. That would have been great. And and then and then and then maybe like three minutes later, when you've completely forgotten about it, <laughs> it's just like blows them back uh, onto the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I thought he was safe. Just, that would be great. Yeah. I would love that. And it's a huge bomb, like the explosion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huge. So we get past this opening scene. We have the we have the opening credits as usual. Remy Zero bringing us in, uh, and then we we go to a scene in which Doctor Hamilton tells Lex about this incident. So Lex wants to know about the research that Hamilton is doing, how he's progressing. And then Hamilton starts telling him about this incident to which Lex is like, yeah, this, this really isn't interesting me, to be honest. That is until the Kent's name is mentioned. Uh, Hamilton mentions that Jonathan Kent is the guy who pulled this guy from the wreckage, uh, saved his life, which really kind of piques Lex's interest uh so yeah any any profound thoughts on this particular scene or? well he said it wasn't clark was it yeah mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no he's done already <laughs> <laughs> oh and then he, it uh he talks about you know why are you bringing back plants and uh and he says well you know that's for science you can't just start testing on humans mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know. This kind of drives me nuts because you would think because Lex is a genius, right? And I know he's probably as a character impatient. Like he knows about the meteor freaks, I think, at this point, and he just wants to understand the effects. But in my mind, this is a big deal because the Nicodemus flower is not a kryptonite or krypton flower. It's an earth flower that went extinct, and the radiation of kryptonite brought it back. And in my head, I'm like, this is a great experiment, Lex. This is a huge breakthrough, something that is dead has been brought back to life. Something that was extinct now exists again. Why are you so impatient here? This is a big deal, buddy. Of course, he brought <laughs> back a flower that killed people. So that probably well, that's, it does kill people, but that's beside <laughs> the point. That is beside the point. It's everything Lex is looking for, but because of, I guess it wasn't a human getting a power, he was impatient. Like, why are you bringing plants back? And it's probably one of the only episodes in the mansion where you get to see Lex drinking orange juice and not the blue water or whiskey or brandy. He's actually oh, drinking, yeah. you know, it must it must be because it's breakfast time. Well, season yeah. one, he, he hadn't imported those blue bottles by that. From Wales, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we go from there to a rather amusing scene, which I feel this clip will demonstrate quite nicely. Your dad, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, so th th this is this is this. So the front end section of this episode um, is is really the main reason that this episode sticks in my mind. I, I always I always think of it as an episode that I really like, and watching it this time around, I realize it's primarily for the 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 first section in which jonathan has been infected by the flower uh, not so much when lana and then pete get infected but we'll get there when we get there yeah but 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 jonathan in particular him being infected by this flower really brings out his uh his his rudeness and his disdain towards yes. the luthers particularly lex luthers, in this yeah. case. you know what's really yeah. interesting is this episode is prophetic because Honestly, look at it and compare it to other episodes later on. This is the first Red Kryptonite episode. Only the MacGuffin in this one, the Red Kryptonite in this one, does not affect <laughs> Clark. It affects everybody around Clark. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, if it came later, after the first time Clark has Red Kryptonite, this would be kind of hilarious because it's the inverse. You know, it's, yeah. what everybody yeah. goes through when Clark is on Red K. Now Clark is going through with all of his friends and family, you know, all hopped up on this flower. But Jonathan is the best part of this episode. Like the moment he's infected and burping in Alexis' face and other lines that we will talk about mm -hmm. later, he is the funnest person to watch on Red Kryptonite. I mean, on the flower. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Lana on it, though. And I got to oh. say, and I love the, the Kent scenes the, with, with, when Jonathan's sick. So, But I, I enjoy Jonathan. <laughs> he's pretty funny. I agree. The, the uh, like Getting besides in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Clark walks in but um, <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't want to see that. Actually, I thought it was gross. To me, it was like watching my parents because, like, we're so attached to Jonathan uh -huh. and Martha as the parents that I when, know. They're, when they're at all when they're frisky, it's like I don't need to see that. It's so weird that well, I always feel that way, but I do. <laughs> yeah, what, what did Peter call it? Counter macking, was it? What they got up to? You know, when they were kissing on the counter, yeah. <laughs> I think I missed that one, but uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, yep, yep, he did. Okay, uh, all right. Um, so, so we uh, so we go from that. I did just it's, it's interesting that Lex shows up, I think, uh, just just because like as soon as as soon as the Kents are involved in anything. His interest is peaked, and he's snooping around. And he comes. He comes here to. He really wants. He wants to, to find and anything. He doesn't even know what it is he wants to find out. At this case, I think he's just so intrigued by the Kents and what secrets they may be hiding that, he, yeah, any excuse brings him over. But we go from there uh, to a scene in which Pete talks to Clark about why he doesn't like Lex, um, and Chloe also comes over to them. And basically asks asks them. Uh, uh, she, she's got this little uh, poll that she's doing, where she's asking people about their their deepest desires. Um, of course, I mean, of course, of course. We have that poll now. Yes, in this particular yes. episode. Yes, of course, you would have that B plot to help <laughs> to help prop up this A plot. Um, it, it, she is there basically to get an answer from Lana, which will then tie, which will. We'll get to that in a bit because I've got some stuff to say on that. But uh, but yeah, the, the primary thing in this scene, I think, is just 
the, the disdain we get from Pete towards Lex. Because um, surprised about that. He yeah, Clark is very surprised by it. Um, and is this is this in fact? Yeah, is this the first time that we get this from Pete? I think. I think it's the first time it's this intense. Mm, I mean, I because think... Clark, because like I say, Clark's surprised by it. So yeah. So if if it isn't the first time that it's been brought up, then Clark is kind of revealing himself to be a bit um, <laughs> yeah, thoughtless, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I know that there's some jealousy there as well, but I'm trying mm. to remember what episode it, that really yeah. comes up in. I, I just feel so bad for Pete because what you really see is what Chloe becomes later on is what Pete is supposed to have been. And so I, it's weird because I feel like Pete's jealousy is kind of meta because his character keeps getting outshined as the show progresses. And then here you have this scene where you know Pete is expressing some jealousy over the fact that Lex and Clark are becoming closer and closer friends, and he kind of misses that friendship that he had with Clark before. So that's something I always find kind of interesting in Pete's jealousy whenever he's jealous of Lex and Clark's friendship. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and then um, you have uh, I, I we have a little clip. We I I I actually didn't. Didn't get that one. Uh, I know I noticed that one before um, before we went on, and I'd forgot to get it. So I'm afraid that that's there's a couple of clips that I didn't get. Um, but are you going about the one with Chloe's clipboard? Clipboard, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't get well, it. It was afraid, Principal so. Kwan's idea to do that, wasn't it? Mm, it was good old Principal Kwan. I'm He's a Kwan. vital, important character. Yeah, I, I thought that it was. <laughs> It was fun that Lana it's all had thirty seconds some, in this episode. <laughs> Lana had some weird. Uh, that was really uh, interesting. She had something way different. <laughs> yeah, to. I just so so this um, her this, desire. This, this, this kind of bugs me. This like so, Lana gets asked, "What is?" your you know your deepest desire to which her answer is she wants to climb the windmill on founder's field chandler's field yeah chandler's field to which i'm like oh, really that's really? a bit lame that's, it's, it's, your deepest there. darkest desire it'll be a bit more than that yeah it's like but not only that it's just like you, you could you could i could buy that lana is saying this to chloe as an answer because she, she's being guarded and doesn't really want to give that kind of information because she's out. under you know, no what? influence at this point, so she can Ex just make, exactly makes the book catch. Exactly, she also uh, had other desires, as we will get to. Yeah, but but, but, but the thing is, but but once she expresses that desire, she climbs the ladder at the end. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. So so mm -hmm. so when it when it actually confirms that that is a really deep darkest desire of hers to climb that windmill, I'm just like. Oh. You must have been in that field a lot and uh, heard about it. Just intrigued. Uh, you have to find something that wasn't sex or violence. So, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I, guess so. I, I mean, uh, Clark couldn't come up with anything. The only thing he did was look at Lana. So, 
<laughs> yeah, but at least he was truthful. You could buy that. You can yeah. believe that that's his, you know. If, if you ask Clark, what's your deepest, darkest desire? I would expect him to look at Lana. Skinny dipping with so, Lana and Crater Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I would not expect oh, yeah. anyone to say, oh, "I want to go and climb the windmill on Chandler's Field." Um, no. Yeah, it's, it's just, and if, and if it's a th if it's a whole thing about overcoming a fear of heights, then it'd be something even taller. Because I'm sorry, but that windmill's a bit pezzy. It's, yeah, uh, it's not really that tall. No, it's maybe it's, it's just not. just wanted to show how uh, near to Smallville uh, Metropolis was. Yeah, you know, no. it wasn't really a three-hour <laughs> drive on any away. given day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also to put Lana in mortal danger, climbing that ladder and passing out, and Clark has to rush in and save her. And it's like, oh, that, that that's the whole reason that she had a deep desire to climb up. Do you so think if she walked up that windmill in season six, Metropolis would just be in the next field? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> just, sorry. Yes. Oh, there it is. Look at that. The windmill wasn't okay. that high, so really, that was probably more of a realistic view of how far away Metropolis would be in season six versus mm, where it was true. in yeah. season one, where it was supposed yeah. to be three hours away. That I don't know that that <laughs> and, and they took was high enough to say that many times. It's a, it was a three hour drive to get here, but then yeah. all of a sudden in season six, I mean, they could live in Smallville and drive into work at the Daily Planet. Yeah, they could commute <laughs> twice a day. Some episodes, yeah, yes. yeah, three times. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then we just drive back just to have a chat. <laughs> yes. So, um, what I do like, um, we, we did, I, th there was a line of dialogue uh, that we got from Chloe. So, when she asked Clark uh, about his desires and whatnot, and he did look at Lana, um, there was something she said where she said, you can, you can sit in your loft and play with your telescope. <laughs> or move on, which <laughs> which you can take in multiple ways. It must be said. Yes, you can. Um, yes. uh... I'm sorry, but it, I love Clark. I love Clark, and I love Smallville. It is just a little bit creepy that he has that telescope always pointed at her room from the bar. <laughs> oh, hold on, I hope that it's never at her room and that it's only on her porch. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's less creepy, isn't it? Of episode one, more of a public place than a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! The, okay, the bedroom's um, private. The porch is public because But he saw the butterflies at the end of episode one. Did didn't you he? see that though? I thought that was just the, the I other. I can't remember. I, I need to rewatch like, that. That was the creepy guy that saw that bug guy. That's true. It could have been that that Clark. guy was peeping in the room and Clark was peeping. They never on the showed front door. Clark looking at Lana in her bedroom. So in my That's mind, true. he never did that because if okay. he's not going to use his X-ray vision to look at her underneath her clothes, he's not he going to look once. at her bedroom. He did once. Let's just be honest. That was accidental. He didn't. He wasn't able to. He did not it. bounce his eyes though. Like once it happened, he didn't bounce. <laughs> <laughs> he never looked at uh, I'll give him a momentary. He was a little bit surprised. So he had tractor beam eyes on that one. You know, he bounced the eyes. He had tractor beam eyes. <laughs> I want to hope that the idea was that Clark was trying to respect her, but just wanted to see in the public areas and outside in the yard or on the on the deck. 
porch. I will go with you on that one because that does fit his character. (laughs) It's just fun. (laughs) Okay, so we go from that scene to uh, Jonathan. We're back to Jonathan, star of the show in this episode. And he's getting frisky with Martha, um, but hubba she's, hubba. She's, having none, she, she's having none of it. She's got to go to work, uh, which which kind of it, it spoils his mood. Um, and, and I think a lot of that comes from he, he then has a bit of jealousy, I think, because she's um, is she working for Lionel? She's not working for Lionel at this point, is she? That's season two. No, not yet. No. Right. OK. So either way, it spoils his... pies and doing the whole organic farm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So at the moment, he's just... See, this is the problem when, when we do these episodes out of order. It's going to be, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so anyway, it sets him on a downer because she, she doesn't want to get frisky. She wants to go off and do her thing. And he gets a phone call from the bank manager, which doesn't end well. In fact, it ends rather like this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down there to that bank and you are going to have to turn my loan down right to my face. That way I can see whether you still have a pair or whether your wife keeps them in a drawer too. <laughs> every just... time, every time. I love that. <laughs> so that's my favorite quote from this episode. Easy, but by a country mile. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just love that scene, but it, it sets Jonathan off on a collision course with this bank manager that thankfully he never gets to um, yeah. because he actually has rather violent <laughs> intentions um, because he takes his shotgun with him. He's a little bit he's of... He's always had uh, anger issues, always. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's always had anger issues. This is definitely something that is a underlining staple of this character, uh, but never to this degree, never to this. Right. degree um yeah it's, it's just that so he he literally goes to to the bank or tries to go to the bank with a shotgun um and thankfully clark stops him and accidentally gets shot but um thoughts on that first off that's the scene with some excellent driving when he's like almost hits that person, opens his door without his seatbelt on, kind of doing the half U-turn, yelling mm-hmm. at them, shutting the door, and that's when it turns Clark onto it. Yeah. But can I mean whether he he's hocked up on that stuff or not? Can you imagine the pain of him realizing he just shot his son? And he's probably in his mind going, "Well, thank God my son is bulletproof, but I did that. I I pulled a trigger on my son." Yeah, yeah that re- that moment. Um right after he shoots him there's a look on jonathan's face like mm. holy shit i just shot my i just yeah. shot my son yeah. and, and that's they're, when they're both surprised yeah. i mean even clark's face there mm. is like whoa you know and thank god that he's bulletproof but mm. that almost snaps him a little bit yeah yeah it's the scene that puts him in the hospital right because that's the scene it's like he I, mean, I, yeah. I know eventually you progress to that point that you pass out but there's something in that scene where it indicates to me it, it's almost even the shock that he knows he pulled the trigger on his own son and it triggers this panic attack in Jonathan, which I think probably elevated all his levels and took him to that point of passing out and being in the hospital. But I, I just feel like that was the moment that took him down. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's one of the things, one of the, I, I really like that moment for 
for that reason. Yeah. With regards to the driving as well, um, when I first saw this episode, I mean, I did watch Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Um, so when I first saw this episode, when I first started watching Smallville, I had no clue that um, John Schneider was was the dude from Dukes of Hazard. Um, so. So when I saw this episode, I was really impressed by that driving because it's in a wide. It's shot in a wide shot. It's, they don't do the usual trick of doing, oh, you know, close up to, with back back screen in the back and then cut to a wide shot with a stuntman. You literally see it is John Schneider with the door open, doing a handbrake turn and shouting some obscenity out the window while he's doing it. And it's just, <laughs> I, I just, I thought that was like really impressive to see Schneider doing that and clearly someone, doing it himself. There was someone walking on the uh, crosswalk too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. she nearly got run over, yeah. I don't know if they CGI'd her right later. <laughs> if, if, if it was CGI, it would not have looked good. So that had to have been like a real person going, oh crap, I am standing in the wrong place when they called action. <laughs> so okay um so blah, 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 jo, right, so from there uh jonathan basically kind of faints and ends up in the hospital there's a, a quick word from the doctor which kind of tells us that we should be concerned um but then we have a scene with Chloe and Lana investigating the crash site. So the, oh. the site where um, where Jonathan pulled the guy out and got Nicodemused is, is how I'm going to term that one. But, uh, but yeah, Lana gets Nicodemused. Well, can we talk um, about the fact that <laughs> why did Chloe decide to bring Lana along? That was the first time. Lana doesn't usually involve in their investigation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> not Hashtag not in the Lana drama. I don't even understand why she was there. Yeah, but if or she didn't why, take why her with her, power came to life, looked at her, and spit in her face, and she turns the color. <laughs> I found this doll. <laughs> not, not, hey, there's a flower here that came to life. Look at this little doll I found. It's like yeah. I mean, that flower was definitely special. I mean. <laughs> And, it, and she's looking right at it. So yes, I think at the moment like where you're looking at the flower, it, it hypnotizes you, and you just sort of like hypnotize because that's like what um, you know what what happened to uh, Jonathan. He was just like, oh, yeah, so maybe she didn't, yeah. like, maybe she didn't have real memory of that because she was in some yeah. sort of altered state. Well, like that. Edited version of that episode. I'm gonna go with hashtag in the Lana drama. She should have said, "Hey, a flower spit in my face." <laughs> I like. They did not explain that. But, but but instead, but instead, we got this. <laughs> that is the lamest sneeze I've ever seen in my life. Have you have you ever watched the show Community? It, it is a great sitcom with Chevy Chase. And there is this scene where Troy can't sneeze, and he sneezes just like Lana. So he has to teach Troy for a whole episode how to sneeze like a man. I think Lana needs to meet Chevy Chase and learn how to sneeze. I, I will say that Honestly, I have you met called it a kitten sneeze, didn't you? 
kitten sneeze. Kitten sneeze. <laughs> yeah, oh man. I, no, I've seen other people in my life. There was someone that I knew that sneezed like that for real all the time. They're like, "Hachoo, hachoo, hachoo." Like, I, I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling BS on that. That's a fake sneeze. You need to have words with that person you know and what? say, "Listen, stop fake sneezing because that's lame." Lana is so unbelievably fake that that sneeze just works for me for her character. I know it looks lame, <laughs> but to me, it fits Lana Lang and all that she stands for the entire time she's on the show. I do have to say that from this point on in this episode, Lana does annoy me a little bit. But we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. So we go from this scene to Lex going to sp to speak to Dr. Hamilton. Um or Hamilton, yeah. He so so Lex goes to Hamilton's lab, speak with him. Like, what the heck's going on? And um, he's he's checked out a book from the library, all about the Nicodemus flower. So it turns out that this flower is a is a, a extinct flower that Hamilton has brought back from extinction using the meteor rock, of course. Um, and it goes back to a. It goes back to a story in 1871 in which a whole town basically just went nuts and started giving in to their, their deepest desires. So a whole town full of people were climbing windmills and all sorts of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... There, there's a good quote in there, and he says that it brought out the basic instincts and drove them to violence. Mm. On God's green earth, this flower was a thief in the temple. The silent mm. temptress that, with a single sneeze, brought out the basest instincts in men and drove them to violence. So, so here's what I wish, because that, that is a very interesting history that they give. I wanted to go one step further. Where do they even theorize this flower came from? Like, is it alien? Uh, did it come on a, a spore, on a meteor? Like, like it's such a interesting little history that it gave and it's interesting enough that i want more i i wish that there was within that history they actually had some sort of i don't know i mean since the kawachi tribe was there give me a native american <laughs> but it, i would love just a little more depth because i thought that was interesting it, it is i mean it might be alien because it's clear that there were aliens that or kryptonians that came yeah. to earth as a rite Fire of passage, and Smallville was one of the port portals. So it's yeah. like, as a rite of passage, they were here regularly. So I would be very curious to know if, if something like that was Earth-based or if it was alien-based or Kryptonian-based. Yeah, was the flower from have, Krypton? It might have come from Omicron CT3. What's that? It's the uh, Star Trek episode. Oh, the flower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I did think of, of that Star Trek episode uh, <laughs> when we first started discussing it earlier because the, the special effect of it kind of reminded me of that 60s dodgy flower that was in the... Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, whatever. Uh, so we do, get, we do get the first of not just one, but two instances in this episode in which... Lex refers to the team of specialists that he's going to have flown in from Metropolis. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I, yeah, um, twice in this episode we get that, which is which is yeah, great. Um, so I was bringing up to Lisa because I was watching a season seven episode, <laughs> and 
they were in Metropolis Hospital and they said they had to <laughs> <laughs> go and get a doctor from Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> Having my yeah. best specialist thrown in from Smallville. It's like, come on. Yeah. Come on, Lana went and saw a specialist uh, in Wah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those Luthers and their specialists, it really, like, as this show progresses, it almost becomes a joke of itself unintentionally. You know, like, yes, let's fly in the best specialist. With one phone call, I'll have let's, the best specialist. And I'm like, let's make back to Metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> don't they have jobs? Don't they have labs? Don't they have things they're, don't they have other patients? Like, I know they, you're no, they, they just sit there. They sit there, look like, looking at a red phone a bit like the bat phone from the 60s batman series <laughs> waiting for lex's call and uh they just know that he's going to call them over to small the we must yeah. run <laughs> <laughs> the thing is over the time they everything they're doing and come to smallville yeah. right now holy team of specialists <laughs> yeah there were so there were so many freaks of the weeks and so much stuff happening in Smallville that I think Smallville actually became the center of the specialists, you know, to look into all these uh, <laughs> yeah. weird goings on. Yeah. Yeah, like, why don't we have our own specialists right now? Why are we still flying specialists in from Metropolis? What's going on? <laughs> they make fun of it in Smallville season eleven. You have Steve Trevor who's with the DEO, which the way they're portrayed in Smallville season 11 reminds me of the men in black. And Steve Trevor says to Clark Kenny goes, well, I don't have to tell you much about what we do, right? You're from Smallville. You live in Metropolis. Get it. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so now we get into Lana drama. So uh, hashtag in the Lana drama. <sighs> yeah. So first, first up we have a scene in which Sorry, she, she tries, she tries to get it on with Whitney but he's like, what is it with people in this episode? People like people start getting friendly with them and they just turn them down. Dad is dying. I mean, Whitney's just yeah. not there. His dad is dying. Yeah. And Lana yeah. is His... looking for a way out at this point. Yeah. She's looking he's... for a way out and she shows her true colors <clears throat> is what yeah. I'm going to say. He just knows one gonna... since you, your dad got sick. Yeah. It's like, yeah. whoa, that's a bit bad. Yeah. that That's like, the thing is this, this, from what I gather, this flower does not change people's it's red kind of, Yeah, it's red mm, It brings out of them what is already there. So yeah. it's not it's not changing them at a fundamental level. It's just breaking down the barriers so they no longer feel trapped by the things that they allow themselves to be trapped in. So yeah. this is this this is really Lana's true colours. She doesn't want to be with Whitney. And the fact that he's always going on about his dad um, and, and his dad's in this condition, she, she's bored of it. She's just, she's like, and it, and it gets on her nerves. So this, it really doesn't make me like her. In fact, I find it to be quite a bitch in this episode. Yeah. Regardless <laughs> of the Nicodemus flower. A sexy bitch. A bitch. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough, anyone that is with someone that's going through something very difficult, you want to be there and support them. But it can drag on you. I mean, you know, and if that barrier was taken away, I think, or if someone's caring for someone that is, you know, ill, you know, I'm sure that everyone has those thoughts where I just want to live my life. You know, I, I don't want to be consumed by this, 
constant mm. pain anymore and you know we're not having any fun and i don't really want to be with you and the only reason why i'm being with you is because i mm. want to support you and be a good yeah. person but this mm. isn't really what i want for me and so, I, so, I feel so, like that's yeah. a real real human thing so. so in effect it does actually show her to be a fairly loving person because she's sacrificing her 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 desire to get out yeah. of that relationship for the sake of, of being supportive. But because yeah. that that kind of wall that she's she's able to put up has been broken down, she's now letting her true feelings out. And they are yeah. feelings that are valid because you know I've, I am a carer myself uh, and I've been a, a carer for like even sicker people. Um so so I do get that. But uh it's just yeah. Um now this is obviously... interesting though. Think about this for a second. In this episode She's already been kind of looking for the exit door with Whitney, and then this mm. happens with his dad, yeah. so she doesn't feel like she could do that. Yeah. This happens to her again in season five. She starts looking for the door with Clark. She may not be, like, looking, looking, but she's kind of tired of Clark by about mid-season mm. five. Yeah. And then when Clark changes fate and Jonathan dies, it's like she's stuck in it again. And... Yes. <laughs> it's a I know. behavior and then she does it again in season six when she yes. finds out she's pregnant it's just a constant she, pattern of behavior oh with her. i know well she got it twice with whitney though because she was mm. ready to kind of move on really before his dad got sick so his dad yeah. gets sick and then she's like well i can't dump him now mm. and then yeah. And then she's like, his dad's finally getting better. And she's like, yes, like now is finally the time. I'm just, Clark is starting to, to move on. Mm. I am going to break up with him. And literally, <laughs> while he walks in and says, my dad died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I would say season one is probably, this is um, the season before Lana truly irritates me, right? And so... Those type of moments, like where you, where she's just like, I, I know this is gonna hurt Whitney, but I can't stay with him because it's gonna hurt us both. And then he walks in and his dad is dead. It's like, you know, I actually feel kind of bad for her. But I also agree with Brian. She's she's a witch with a capital B. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a little harsh. A little harsh. A little harsh. I so, think that it's a very human thing that was she was. It's true. I I, I I agree. It is a human thing, and it does yeah. highlight that actually, when those barriers aren't broken down, she she has the strength of character to 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 do the loving thing. But it's yeah, just... I mean, she's sac I think it yeah it shows that how what it, a it is a it is a sacrificing yeah. herself, and she's holding back her feelings that she has for Clark and yeah. Yeah, and then in season six, Lex, Lex destroys those barriers. We're not we're not talking about season six now. We're moving on, moving on. Season six, season yeah. six. We're on season one, right? So, so we so we move from there to what is a rather interesting moment in which Clark is playing with his helicopter. Um, oh, and then <laughs> and looks up to see this. matter yes lana wastes no time whatsoever to seek and destroy uh so right. yeah she uh, <laughs> she goes straight from whitney after pretty much destroying him to uh to seeking out clark um yep. uh, with, with one this particular end game in way mind. more than clark can handle oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and then that whole swimming pool scene, it's funny because every time we'll I see there, it, yeah. when you get to that swimming pool thing and she's about to dive into the pool, I look at them and I go, it was sweeps week, wasn't it? Like, that's why this happened. Question is, do you want what I want? <laughs> I had to. I just had to. Uh, <laughs> so yeah um that scene yeah yeah i mean oh my goodness i was thinking what she just said right there how many guys were probably thinking at that moment yeah <laughs> i want what you want right now <laughs> thing is i i think a lot of guys in high school dream of that moment but when yeah. that moment actually comes they probably end up with the exact they expression hat on his face <laughs> yeah. when, it's, well, it's when scary, he's in this moment. Especially in high school, right? When you're really mm -hmm. unsure of yourself. And uh -huh. yeah. it's very nerve wracking being with the opposite sex and having feelings for yep. someone. And you, but know, you know what's nice? Nervous. Is I think Clark, even though he was nervous, awkward, all of those feelings, all of that's legit true. But what I like about Clark is he's not affected by kryptonite, he's in his right mind. I love the morals that he has because I feel like he never would have taken advantage of a situation like that. And I, and I love that about Clark and that moral foundation that he has from his parents. And so here's Lana throwing at him everything he's ever wanted. And even though he's nervous and awkward and all that stuff, I, I still think one way or the other, he had that moral foundation and would never have crossed that, you know? So I, I like that about his character. Yeah, when he still he... looked in the girls' changing room, though. Yeah. You win that one. Well, I, like I said, he didn't. Perp that was not in his. He didn't have to control it. It was an accident. He was just coming into his abilities. Yeah, you know? he yeah. got to. Couldn't no. He didn't know how to start it, how to stop it, how to control yeah. how deep it went. Always you know. test your limits. <laughs> Yep. But no, he really d doesn't take advantage of people, and I love that about his character. Except when he's in Red Kryptonite, he can be. <laughs> but um, yeah, but he even holds right back mind. in Red Kryptonite. But we'll have to do that when we get to a Red Kryptonite episode. But there's yeah. even elements where he still has a little bit of a wall, even if it's breaking down chip by chip. Yep. So moving from there, we have a scene in which uh, Dr. Hamilton uh, is caught on camera by Chloe. So Clark goes to see Chloe. Uh, he's, he's still a bit wet, still drying himself off. Um, and uh, well, we, uh, we forgot something important. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we really dried off. <laughs> um, let's go back to that pool scene for a second. Go on. A lot happens there, so... We get this is the first time that um, Clark and Lana kiss, so it's oh, kind of it? a big deal. Because they yeah. kiss a lot before they're ever together. So, <laughs> oh no, no, no! The, the, this is the first time that they kiss. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I have a good uh, old snog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, of course Lana doesn't remember this one, but Clark does. Oh yeah, it's the, the old amnesia trick. That... Now it's not the first time <laughs> yeah. that Kristen and Tom kissed because we had the uh what's the name of the girl that changed into other people she right. pretended to be yeah, lana yeah. but that that wasn't lana that was her so i yeah, don't that count one. that but this so this is the first time that clark and lana kiss and then i love the moment after they kiss uh i mean clark is completely 
he does off balance. He pushes him in the pool, and then Principal Kwan's standing there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd love to know how much he gets paid for turning up for that one shot. It's like he's. He's on uh, he's on staff as a recurring character. It's like well, how, we, how much does he get in residual? I know. Yeah, we, we want you in. We want you in for this for this episode. Oh, great! Get the credit though. Get to do something. <laughs> we just want to stand at the edge of this pool. You don't need to say it. It's a great moment though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so Clark is drying himself off after that incident uh, whilst talking to Chloe, who realizes she's got a because she was taking some photos when she went with lana to skulk around looking at for the flower and getting nicodemus and uh she caught dr hamilton lurking in the woods like some kind of midnight weirdo um which obviously clues them into uh to where to look next with regards to their investigation um chloe has actually discovered that the man who uh, crashed at the beginning works for Lex, does work, has done work for Lex, or works at one of Lex's labs or something. So that kind of clues Clark into Lex possibly having more yeah. to do with this than he let on. Did you guys notice that Clark wore one of the gym T-shirts? Because no. his, his clothes got wet, right? So if he, right. it's a small, yeah. high... Like it's probably like a stock T-shirt they have for the kids. Yeah, yeah. But I was yeah. wondering what pants he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Funnily enough, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to hazard a guess that he was wearing wet pants. <laughs> probably just so, some, uh, he could have run home, but I guess then he couldn't explain how he got this. <laughs> now, do we have any Battlestar Galactica fans in the house? Right here. If you're talking about the reboot, are we, talk yes. are we talking yes, about Callie by any chance? We are talking about Callie, also, yeah. um, Mrs. Mac. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Mac, the legal, the legal <laughs> marriage partner of Mrs. Mac. Although apparently it was to do with some kind of green card issues or something, from from what I've heard. Um, she, Alison Mac, married this 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 woman. Um, so basically, the the woman in the uh, in the cafe who who takes Nikki Klein, sorry. Yeah, Nikki Klein, that's the one. So she she plays Callie in Battlestar Galactica, one of the best TV shows ever made. Yes, um yeah. the, the the remake, not the not the original. Uh but uh but yeah, it, it was so she's it was just it was just really random to, to see her pop up in a, in the tiniest of roles and especially after learning all the stuff about Nexium of which she was a part. Um but we won't get into that. But uh, but yeah it just it just threw me off. Just threw me off seeing her just pop up like that. Um, yeah. And she only she only has two lines. Yeah. Um, you know, but she gets the credit as an actress on the uh, on the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the it's two just, lines. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, there was something. There was a quote in the in the in the scene before that I I really liked that Clark said. Lana said everything I wanted to hear. Mm, everything I ever wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Now that begs the question: Was that really the innermost desire in Lana's heart? So her saying everything Clark wanted to hear—is that really how she felt, or was it because you know that wall was gone for her? She knew that's what Clark wanted to hear, so she's just trying to get what she wanted and saying what he wanted to hear. <laughs> 
And, it, and it also gave him... I've spoken like a true Lana hater. It gave him an image of what to think about for Saturday detention as well. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I think that uh, she really wanted to get some, but... Get some! <laughs> she did go to Clark first. Well, she knew that he was easy picking, but um, I. But well, I think I think it's more than that, you know, for her. Is that that's why she, you know, she does obviously have feelings yeah. for him by this point. Um, it is interesting that she did go to Whitney first. She did the right thing first. <laughs> this, well, she must she must have some kind of feeling for it yeah. in in order to go to him first. Um, but, but, just, anyway, the <laughs> Whitney is senior scum dating a freshman, so I never liked that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, after we get past the Cali cameo, um, Lana steals Lexi's Porsche. Uh, in, in, yeah, in a rather interesting scene in which she, um, like bearing him, obviously they do have a relationship in season six, but here, you know, you, you, you think Whitney, uh, being a, a, a scumbag senior going after freshman, <laughs> this is, this is even creepier because it's a freshman coming on to a guy who's like, yes, yeah. Definitely old enough to be legally prosecuted if he goes. Yeah, because... well, yeah and she's only supposed to be. This is season one. 15. So 15. Yeah. 15. Uh, yeah. She's 14 or 15, which brings me to this point. How no, is she, she's driving 15, a truck? She has how is she driving? They're 14. They make a point out of that. Oh, no, no, they, they're 15. They're, they're 15. They're 15. Oh, and they and in, in some southern states, in some smaller area, town areas, they can drive at a. Uh, a younger age. Oh, we'll go with that. Just, like now, my wife, if, you, if you're a father, you can try, today, but 14. in 2000, they could. Yeah, I think at Kansas, if if you uh, live on the farm, you can drive at 14. Interesting. I had to look that up. Yeah. yeah well, see, you you even had to go investigate it because the show doesn't. I <laughs> They kind of act like they're juniors, even though they say they're freshmen, and I'm certain that they true. only say they for their freshmen is because they wanted to do four high school years. Yeah. Um, but other well, than that, Lana's birthdays, Lana's birthdays in the fall, so sort of like yeah. in the first few series, so she's 15, whereas Clark's birthdays in May, so he's still 14 at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, <laughs> no, 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 I don't think he is 14. I'm going to say this. I think that he's actually 15 and that she's a year behind in school for some reason because... He's 18 when he enters his senior year. They make a point to say that I'm 18 now. I just think that's down to the continuity people on the show being pretty crap at their job, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> we get dates on uh, tombstones changing throughout the series and all. Yeah, I don't, so. I, but they never do specifically say what his age is. Mm. Um, they just say yeah. that he's a freshman. Oh, yeah. So it could be that, you know, he's actually. 15 starting freshman year. Maybe that explains uh, his why birth, he's so His tall. birthday is supposed to be May the 3rd, 1987. Yeah. He's my sister's age. So if he's, <laughs> well, so if it's 87, what year was, this was 2001? 2001. So he's supposed to be 14, isn't he? Yeah, he's 14 because he's, he's my sister's age. Yeah. 
I was a senior. My sister was a freshman. Yeah. Yep. I, mean, yeah. I was a freshman in college in 2001. Oh, wow. As a senior in high school. He could have been 14 in the first episode, but he could have had a birthday mid-season. But his birthday's in May. Well, his what? birthday's no. made up anyway, because he, he only went on his <laughs> adoption yeah. certificate. They don't know how old he and, is. <laughs> and besides, Kryptonians could grow pretty uh, differently. To Very much Amazing. So. Yeah. They're so similar. And that's why I almost <laughs> feel like um, the fact that he looks similar, my theory, is that they originated on Earth and that somehow they got over to Krypton and their bodies evolved over there. And that's why they're still so connected to Earth. No, they're just growing big in Kansas. <laughs> it's all the corn. Anyway, anyway, like anyway. so like Chloe goes to see Dr. Hamilton after, after finding the creepy photo of him. Uh, he doesn't really seem favorable to answering any of her questions. In fact, he just avoids them. But she gets all the information she needs because she sees the book that Lex... We, see, we're, we're told in the episode that Lex took that book out of the library. So he's he's taken that book out and then he's left it with Dr. Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't take his library book back. Yeah, so I do want to make a edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But the other thing I want to make a note of is that... Um, Chloe's really smart in how she kind of interrogates people and deals with them. She's very witty. Mm. Uh, you know, she, and that's what bothers me with Jimmy in season six is that he just looks uh, oh, out but, of depth. But, but Chloe here, you know, she says, Oh, you know, I was just out partying in the woods. You know, mm. so you want to mm. ask, so she always has, she always comes up with something, you know, when, when someone comes back and, yeah, so she's a pretty strong character, and I appreciate that about her. I love Chloe. Like yeah. she just, it, she's got to be my favorite addition to the Superman mythology. The way they used her in Smallville, and yeah. and she was so crucial. Did you ever notice in Man of Steel and the flashback where Clark is being bullied? He's being yeah, bullied yeah, yeah, right outside yeah. of Sullivan Sullivan's tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it yeah. is. Yes, and I was like, oh, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> There's some, I, I'm not a big fan of her character in season one and season two for other reasons. Um, that her jealousy kind uh, bothers yeah. me. But she finds herself, and she finds herself really she good. Did. Yeah, once yeah. she gets there. But I, I do appreciate the strength of her character here. Yeah, uh, I, really I appreciate the jealousy, quite frankly, because I, 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 <laughs> I, I you know, she's she's Clark's best friend. She's had to put up with him, kind of swooning over this girl that he can never go and talk to for ages and, and it's just, I, you know i get it they're high school you feel like this in high school you're not yeah you know, no i i guess i don't like the way she kind of almost makes him feel like he's cheating on her by having feelings for somebody else that's when i think that well we will have to do the episode where clark stands up to chloe and lana because i have a lot of strong feelings <laughs> and clark said everything i was thinking when he stood up to them Let's not get sidetracked. We're talking Nick and Dumas. Come on, people. <laughs> right. right. Okay. So, uh, Lana goes to climb the windmill. So she's stolen uh, Lexi's porch, and she goes to fulfill her deepest, darkest desire. And don't forget, she drives in the mud out there. <laughs> 
So yeah, she. Uh, she drives a Porsche. I mean, that's a desire right out, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, that'd be a bigger desire for me than doing oh. this. Such a coward. Can't even answer a simple question. You want me? Come and get me. Yeah, I think I'd rather take the Porsche, quite yeah. frankly. Um, so, yeah, but she falls off and then faints. Um, and Conveniently. thankfully, thankfully, is kind of taken out the out of the picture by that point. It's just, yeah, I, I yeah, find. Wait. Do you have the clip with her uh, falling? Because I want to. I've commented about something. I don't. I just took the one. I just. I tried to take just one clip from each yeah. scene rather than. Uh, so there's a. When she when he catches her, I just wanted to say I appreciate the fact that he really takes her down. It's not like a <laughs> yeah, don't arm. don't snap right, her right. neck like like he would in the episode Dichotic. Yes. Yeah. So you know I I I, I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was a good um, I, I, I I don't know something just irritates me, but I think it's I think it's more now. I like Christian Kruick actually as, as a performer. I actually think that in some of the later seasons she she improves as a performer. But I, I feel like her performance in this episode is is a bit I don't know, it's it's just it just seems off to me. It's a bit too I, I guess I don't buy her sass at this point. Like when we get to season six, I buy that dark edge that she gets because we see how she gets there. But here, when she goes, when she goes all dark, I'm not quite buying it because she still, she still has that kind of frothy sweetness about her. So it's just, yeah. But well, I think it gives you a clue that what's the... Lana, but I, I think it works. It's high school. Yeah. She's immature and she hasn't had the experience mm. that she has in season six. It's kind of like Peter Parker in Spider-Man three. Like his dark side is ridiculous and it's corny, but that's because that's how naive he is and that's just what darkness is to him and i feel like that's like kind of where lana is you know like mm. she just hasn't had that dark edge imparted yeah. to her yet but yeah. i think it gives a clue onto that she does have a dark edge it's the first episode where we see any type of darkness from her and mm. i I, th I thought that was interesting and she also said you know i'm not gonna what you know when she says to lex during that scene in the talon um that you know why no one likes it because i'm not doing exactly what i'm told to do you know i'm not just crying over my dead parents you know i'm, mm -hmm. I'm really taking life by the balls mm -hmm. okay so um so there's, clark... there's more to lana <laughs> clark goes to the hospital text text lana to the hospital and uh you know has a check up on his dad while he's there has a, a a bit of a bit of a word with him, and Lex tells Martha that he's having the what's that the best specialist flown in from Metropolis. That's right. So yeah, so th there's there's the second one. He's he's having the the, the surely the best specialist should already be there by now because he's already yeah. had them flown in once already during this episode. So and their focus um, was alien flowers. Should definitely be on the payroll. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, but the, the most interesting thing about this scene, I feel, uh, and it's beautifully played by Rosenbaum, um, as these scenes always are, he's very good at playing dual kind of, you know, when you're supposed to be able, where you're supposed to be able to look at the scene and as an audience member, you know something 
yep. whereas the character he's talking to doesn't. So it needs to be read in in both of those ways. Um, so th th there's a moment where he's he's he just says to Clark, Clark, I'm sorry. And Clark just says, it's not your fault, Lex. And there's a really great look that Rosenbaum gives where it's like, actually, dude, this is my it fault. Is. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, it's my kind of research and my planning and stuff with Hamilton that has kind of led to this mess. But so, he can't come out. I think this is the first, uh, first episode where Lex actually really lies to clark flat out lies mm -hmm. just flat out lies and and then then goes it, 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 we, we see from this point on for the rest of the episode how it how it becomes how lot when you tell lies you then have to tell more lies to cover up the lies you've already told until you end up down a, a web of uh, which is of just a mass of lies which is really kind of how lex becomes the man he eventually becomes because he starts off with these little lies where actually he, he, he says he's telling this lie because, I mean, this research wasn't anything to do with Clark. But, you know, it wasn't directed at Clark. It wasn't like he was trying to uncover anything about Clark. It had nothing to do with him as far as Lex is concerned. But it led, it led to something that affected Clark's life. He doesn't want to be the guy who says, oh, this is actually my fault. So he brushes it under the carpet. He tells her. Even more than that, because what. What Le Lex knows that what he's doing is dangerous, mm -hmm. and he knows that Clark wouldn't agree with doing this kind of research because Clark has such a like a lot. That's why a lot of people lie to Clark, right? Because he has such mm -hmm. high standards. <clears throat> so I've just had a fault. Sorry, I've I've just had a fault. Right, right at the beginning whilst he's uh, stealing the Nicodemus flower. He's trying to get hold of Lionel on the phone. So what's the Lionel angle? Has Lionel got him to steal the actual flowers? Interesting. I yeah. Thought about that. There's I no mention about of that. Yeah. Mm. But he's, he's, he's trying to like, well, get him out of the meeting, you know, and he's on, and, uh, he's on the phone and gets all angry. But yeah, Lionel's definitely involved there. He wants the flowers well, for some reason or other. Everything Lex does, like yeah, that dude is always hovering over Lex and stealing Lex's. But it, it's it's not really mentioned. Yeah, it's just sort of like no, it's just know. dropped in it. So there's, yeah. just, dropped, yeah. there's enough there to make you uh, get the sense that Lionel's always kind of chipping away in the background. But uh, I just assume that's... if Lex knows something or is involved with something, Lionel knows it all. Yeah. <laughs> and has his own angle. This is, I think, one of the first times we kind of see Lark's uh, Lex's. Um, I like. I don't Lark's. know where that came out. <laughs> Lark. Lark's, Lark's, I love it. Wow, uh, Lex's dark side. Actually, that's how it blended. <laughs> um, come out, because uh, besides zero, right? Um, this is no early on. He's mm -hmm. he's doing something that, you know, again, I, I don't think that Clark would agree with. And he's trying to hide that. And it's the beginning of hiding his experiments from Clark. It's more than just hiding things that his investigation into Clark. There's this 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 darker uh, human. He wants to do human experiments mm -hmm. on the meteor rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and this is where we okay. get the setup of uh, Cadmus labs as well. Yes, yes. That's right. 
Brandy, I love uh, how it's shown. Mitchell Commander. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just one of those kind of throwaway comments where if you're not a Superman fan, don't mean anything to you and it doesn't doesn't matter if it doesn't but yeah. If you are a Superman fan, you know that Cadmus Labs is a pretty big deal. So yeah. Chloe tells Clark and Pete about the flower, says that Hamilton has resurrected it using the meteor rock and that he works for Lex. Um so because of that, Clark kind of storms off and confronts Lex, uh, which, again, kind of leads Lex to having to uh, cover lies up with more lies. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good scene, actually, because it's, it's one of the first times in the show where Clark really kind of really take, takes umbrage with Lex, where, where you see that crack in the relationship that actually... This is far from a relationship based on trust, um, you know, even even at this point. And any thoughts with regards to this particular scene from you guys? Yeah, I think I, I think we talked about it. I, most of my thoughts, but I, it was really, I did like the scene a lot. And I, hmm. the first Clark is questioning Lex here. He's got Pete and his dad constantly in his ear talking bad about. Lex and he's got so he's got these ideas in his head already about well I'm a little bit nervous is, should I be nervous about Lex and then he hears about this and he you know freaks out and Lex tries to calm him down he he actually grabs mm. Lex hard enough for Lex to be yeah, like, oh, yeah. you know and, and and Clark is in a vulnerable place right his dad is dying mm. you know this is yeah. serious um, anyway, sometimes we, we already to, saw that with Rogue, like how yeah. trapped he feels when something is happening to his dad or his family. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Okay, so Chloe and Pete break into Hamilton's lab to have a, a snoop about, and Pete, as a result, gets Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus fast, like again. Yeah, happens so fast for him. Yeah, he he, he, he turns into like a proper kind of. Street gangster, uh, you know, like the, the way he holds the gun and the, the way he kind of speaks. He just he, he he goes all gangster, Pete, on Chloe pretty fast. Um, there is a rather funny line though. It's probably the funniest thing that Pete's ever said, which is that that's right. Ignore Pete. He's just the funny guy. Uh, no, <laughs> Pete, you've never been the funny guy. Um, I, I, you may think of yourself as the funny guy, but nobody thinks of you as the funny guy. And that's probably your problem. That's probably why you have all these issues. Um, so, yeah, I'll just well, like throw I said that earlier, It's so meta. It's literally how the writers of the show have treated his character. And now his character is railing against how he's written. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, like literally, I, I watched this episode last night to prep for this. And when Pete said that, I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> Although I will say that Pete's not a, he, he doesn't take himself very seriously. Like if you watch mm -hmm. him, he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of joking around with himself. So maybe that's why he has this idea that, you know, he thinks he's funny. He thinks he's funny. <laughs> you know, other people don't have to laugh, but you know, he, he lightens everything up. You know, he's you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Hashtag Pete humor. Mm -hmm. that's, that's Pete humor right there. Okay, so <clears throat> oh, Clark. Oh, sorry. 
Clark goes to see his dad and Martha gets really emotional. Um, so, yeah. Carter, I hope he marries me. I still think that. Every day there's a part of me that says, God, I hope he marries me. <laughs> Annette O'Toole. How good is oh, Annette O'Toole? Quite frankly, she, she, she always, always manages to, to pull those heartstrings. If you, if you need, like this, this of, of the women in this cast, there's, there's, there's two who can always, without fail, on the, on the touch of a dime, just really choke you up. It's Annette O'Toole and Alison Mack. But right here, Annette O'Toole really, really swinging for it and uh, knocking it out of the park. I, I love it when you watch Smallville. Lex and Lionel steal every scene that they're in, but then it's mm. also the same thing with Jonathan and Martha. Like, just, mm. th they're so good. And I love how, like, there's multiple times later as the show goes on where, you know, Jonathan's dying again, and Martha has these emotional moments, and I never tire of them. Like, she just, she has a way of, of you're so connected to them, and it's like she knows you're connected, and you just feel her pain. And I also, I agree with you on Annette, but I also feel Clark's pain <laughs> But I, uh, oh, I, I, I really love that uh, Smallville put these really serious scenes into this episode. It's kind of a very uh, silly episode at, at times, but this gives it a lot of depth. And it shows how strong the relationship is in the Kent family and how yeah. much Clark really loves his parents and how much they love him. And every time they do that, I, I love it, you know, because he's an alien that was adopted. And yet he is you, you could it's it's like they that he is their child, you know, like it, he was born from her. Hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, yeah, so and, and, and it gave <clears throat> some depth and some serious to it. It's a serious thing going on. Jonathan is dying. The Beale died. You know, he might be dead. And we're, we're taking this seriously, not like, okay, this is just going to be solved in five minutes. I mean, the, the audience knows that, but the characters don't. And they took time to make sure to show us that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. One of the things that sets Smallville apart, as far as the superhero show goes, you can have an episode that is borderline freak of the weekish, and then have a moment like that. With yeah. Excellent acting. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I, I find that even the worst episodes of the shows, the, the ones that are quite unbearable, with possibly the exception of the one where they adopt that child that grows old in a day. Um, but, but every other episode, even if it's terrible, um, th th there'll always be a, a golden nugget in it where I have to watch the episode because of that one scene or that one element. Um, so, um, and that's a lot of that comes from that relation well the relationship dynamics whether it's Lionel and Lex or the Kents um it's just yeah it's great it's it's a real selling point for the show but um so Chloe shows up to tell Clark that Pete has gone after Lex he's gone he's gone gunning for Lex quite literally um and so Pete shows up at the mansion with his little pistol that is that is robbed from Dr Hamilton which just laying out on the table. Let's just it, yeah, which just it was just rather conveniently uh, left out there on the table. That's right. Um, and yeah, still still acting all gangster and holding his gun sideways and all this, and it kind of clues us into the boy racer that he's going to become in the Fast and the Furious episode next season. But uh, 
<laughs> so, so this is this is basically the climax, and, and what I love, and this this moment just really cracks me up because I wonder why Clark doesn't do this more often to people, quite frankly. Um, but it's hilarious. I love it. Let's see it. How'd you do that? Don't worry, Pete. We'll get you to the hospital. <laughs> just, like, just like I, just, I wish Clark did that more. To be honest, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the only time we ever see that. But no, there's so, another time it happens. Is, yeah, just, he did, just, it, this, did it to Lois, didn't he? <clears throat> Uh, with Simone, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think there's it might so be three times people. actually. But I, there, is it, there's a counter. I don't know if you guys have gone to it. It's called the knockout counter or something. And he actually tracked every single time someone's knocked out. And you know what he oh, calls yeah. this? <laughs> Which I love. He calls it the love tap. <laughs> Clark gives Pete the love tap. Oh, man. Oh, I just, I love it. It's a, it's a great moment. Uh, like pr prior to that moment, uh, Clark does throw Lex into a wall as well. Um, yeah. Which conveniently. You know, yeah, conveniently, <laughs> conveniently knocks him out. Yeah. So. I think the line that he he says there is it's kind of a foreshadowing. <laughs> What, what was the Oh, uh, now I have to get the exact line. <laughs> but it's basically like, oh gosh, like we're not friends anymore. Hold on, I want to get the exact line. You guys can talk. I'll get. I'll get it in a second. <laughs> I, I, oh, I just let's talk about the indestructible book. I'm sorry, but. Oh yeah, something very <laughs> oh, yeah. about that book, and it just makes me really uncomfortable the whole time that book's in the fire. It's like it's gonna burn. Why isn't it burning? I don't know, but it's in there way too long. Maybe it's from Krypton. It may be one of the Kryptonians brought it. It must be like leather. It must be completely in leather or something, because leather it's, it's, doesn't burn. It's, that it's certainly leather bound. I think that leather binding is 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 really protecting it for, for uh, yeah. well i think the so. pages have to be special too <laughs> yeah. uh, um let's see he says he says i don't believe you you're right p he's he's been lying to everyone yeah i know who my true friends are mm. you can't talk your way oh, out yeah. of this one lex i see who you mm. really are this mm. friendship is over mm. oh, pathetic yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it it again. Rosenbaum's reactions in that are pretty interesting. The looks that's, he gives. That's Lex's greatest fear, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Is that yeah. Clark is going to find out who he really is, and mm. Lex knows he has this darkness yeah. about him, and that's why he's hiding what he's doing. Yeah. And, but it but yeah. it cements it cements Lex's further mm -hmm. lies. Uh, so like. You know, see, seeing Clark behave in this way, knowing that oh, this this is something that has gone through his mind, 
it only makes Lex dig his heels in even further and 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 try to be more secretive and try to cover more things up and yeah. So it, it's yeah. There's truth behind those words, even though mm. he didn't really mean he didn't mean them, but mm. there there was some truth there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that Jonathan was really a profound moment. I thought you know. Mm. Jonathan wakes up uh, and we, we, we discover that he suffers from a, a bout of amnesia, another Smallville favourite. I don't know why, though. I don't know why that the people in this episode had to suffer their bouts of amnesia. You know, most episodes when stuff happens, people do stuff that they need to forget in order to help protect Clark's secret. Whereas here, there's... there's there's not really many moments. There aren't any moments where people kind of need to have that bout of amnesia because, right. you know, like Lana falling off the windmill, you can just say, oh, she hit the ground. That was it. She was knocked out. So, well, she might um, wonder why how she survived, kind of like later how she wonders about. Well, it weren't that tall now, was it? High. Come on, she, she didn't <laughs> get that high. <laughs> she was a big enough fall to cause some damage, though. Yeah, that was a big, pretty she big. She ended up fall. in the hospital. She ended up in the hospital, caused some damage. There you go. Move on. Hey, so, <laughs> it <from> the flower, <laughs> that like was like a being passed out, though. Yeah, <laughs> that was like a two. But, but oh. even even so, even so. Like, regardless of whether she knows what happens or not, Clark still can't come out and say, oh, I caught you. So either right. way, you know, either way, it, the, the, the story has got to go that she hit the, hit the dirt, that she hit the grass. So yeah. it, it just, well, it just, but, it serves no purpose. people know that what happened at all? I don't think that they knew that happened at all. They, they didn't, but like, they didn't need the amnesia because there no. was nothing that they saw that would reveal Clark has powers yeah. Like the episode where his memory was erased and Lois saw him catch those heavy things, you know, yeah. like that makes sense. Give her amnesia now, take away yeah. that memory. But there was no real display of Kryptonian power. So there was like yeah. no reason for the amnesia, I don't think. Like if, if this was an episode from season five or six, I would think that they just got so into the habit of using the whole amnesia thing that, that they just threw it in there because they're that right. used to it. But this is season one. It's like you don't need, you don't. <laughs> It just doesn't need to be established. It doesn't need to be used in this particular episode. It's like it's 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 almost like they're building these tropes in, in order to have these tally boards that people enjoy coming up with for the show. Um, yeah, that, that that was just that was just one thing that kind of bugged me a bit, which is why why the amnesia? Why why go that far? Probably for Pete, right? The like, doctors think, think it's because, because of the fever. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, okay, so um, Hamilton's lab has been cleared out. We get a, a scene that feels like it's right out of the X-Files in which Chloe goes to see the lab and everything's been taken. Oh, we missed a scene. You have to go back. Uh, the oh, John yeah, Jonathan wakes up. Um, yeah, so Jonathan wakes up at the hospital. Morning, sleepyhead. Morning, sleepyhead. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love that moment so much. I don't. Mm -hmm. It's so adorable. Yeah, it it it's, it doesn't it doesn't really sound like something that you would expect Jonathan to say, 
but given that oh, this is yeah. such a no 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me finish. Yeah. Let me okay, finish. <laughs> it's just like it's not the kind of thing you expect Jonathan to say, you know, in in like a public kind of environment. Because we know jo- John Jonathan is that, you know, he's 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 the guy who takes a shotgun and and goes to to talk to the bank manager. Um, but like, it, it just he's at his most vulnerable. He's at his, you know, he's in a hospital bed. He's just woken up. He sees his son, and the most kind of base instinct comes out of him and that base instinct is the love that he has for his son and it, it's just like that's the first thing that you know you wake up you're in a hospital bed you, 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 you're raw you're, 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 you're vulnerable um, and then you see your son lying there and you get this nice kind of moment which it, it feels <clears throat> It feels out of character for Jonathan, but completely in character at the same time. I, I'm not sure I'm explaining myself very well, but it, it's just, it is just a really nice moment um, that shows a softer side to Jonathan that, that I guess we're not, we don't often get because because he, he's quite a stern man, Jonathan. Even when he's giving you know Clark these lessons on life and stuff, he's always got a certain sense of like stiffness and uprightness about him whereas martha tends to be the more tender one or whatnot so this this seemed like an overly tender moment for jonathan which which i liked i didn't you know it's, it's not a moment it, i don't i don't i don't say that as a oh it's too tender for, for jonathan it's, it was a moment that i liked precisely because it was a tender moment so, so um actually jonathan's very affectionate to clark um, there is someone created a tag on Tumblr just for it. It's great. <laughs> uh, just a few guys, but they got a gif of, you know, you can look through all these gifts and see all the, all the times that he grabbed, you know, he holds him on his shoulders, head, and he's just, uh, and, and Clark does that to other people too, because it's a, a learned mm. behavior. And I love yeah. those little touches that they put in. And this is, this, you know, especially, you know, I'm being a parent, you know, I, I have these moments, too, with your children, you know, especially when you're waking up and you can when I saw this moment, it's just like it brought back. I can imagine Jonathan thinking of, of Clark when he was like four or five years old going, hey, sleepyhead. Know, there's yeah. my little kid, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was just like this, it just gave so much uh, depth into their relationship. You know, like you really get a feeling for this whole his whole childhood in that moment and i just loved it yeah so yeah so then we we get a a, a quick moment with seeing chloe at the lab it's been cleared out it's transitionary scene it really, it's not much to talk about Clock's uh, <laughs> yeah 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 uh lex moves so lex has moved hamilton's lab to Cadmus, um, which basically shows that he's he's got faith in the work that Hamilton is doing. Because this this is a guy who was a bit crazy, working out of a barn, just showed that Lex didn't really have that much faith in this guy. He was just like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll send some money away to fund your research, but I'm I'm not really holding out for anything promising. But no, now now after the work he's seen with the Nicodemus plant and all that, he's like, okay. Time to up our game. You're going to Cadmus. You're doing proper research. You're getting everything that you need at your disposal, um, which kind of 
you know, sets up. It, it, it's something of an ominous kind of end, really, because you know, knowing who, 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 yeah, knowing who Lex is going to become and 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 the the kind of mind he has towards research and various things. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> Doctor Hamilton says, "Remember, Lex, you're the one opening Pandora's box." Mm, yes, and he does. I'm oh, just he does key. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it does indeed. Well, 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 when you think, you know, when you go to, when you jump ahead to like season six, when he's yeah. doing all those experiments with the, the super soldiers and all that lot, it, it, that all comes, it all stems from these kind of moments in season one. Because mm -hmm. when, he, when he first arrives in Smallville, he doesn't have all this stuff at his disposal. You know, Lionel is kind of, treating him like the petulant child and, and gives him a corn factory to manage so you know it's, it's it's moments like this working with hamilton kind of plucking him from the from the from the depths of, of being an obscure scientist and, and 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 taking that research which then leads six you know six seasons later five seasons later to to lex being lex uh so yeah we end on a final final scene between uh Clark and Lana. Uh, I, I do have some clips, but, but I'm... Uh, oh, actually, I do have one without the U2 music, so... Yes. Let's, let's go there. Sounds like I got a little out of control there. You spoke your mind, and you did what you wanted. Kind of a Alpha Lana. Alpha Lana. Yeah, <laughs> Alpha Lana. I kind of liked it. Alpha Lana. <laughs> uh, she said, I can't believe what I was wearing, and he goes... <laughs> And I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this song. And it just takes me back to, you know, because I yeah, I love that kind of music. It's where you know, I, I feel bad for Whitney in this scene because here's Lana and Clark having a very nice semi-romantic <laughs> woman. And Whitney's dad is dying. And as far as oh, you know, Lana's just see, woken up from being crazy. They're and they're just together. friends, Durbin. They're just friends. <laughs> It's it's just, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, but but this is the problem. This is the problem with Whitney as a character. He's yeah, the reason. It's, it's yeah. the reason I can't stand this character across the first season because he is literally used as a punching bag to get other storylines going. And then when once he's been punched like a punching bag, they never go back and resolve it. They ne like. There should have been a this final scene really shouldn't have been between Clark and, and and Lana. It should have been between Lana and Whitney because no one because was cared about Lana and Whitney. Well, of course nobody cares about Lana. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares about Lana and Whitney no. because they never have these moments. No. They always do this. They always they always have Whitney show, being used Whitney, in so some no way. They always have Whitney being used in some way that propels the story forward but away from him and then they never go back to him so he just becomes this character that no one gives a toss about yep. he can't stand the character he's completely pointless he's he, he began as a foil at the beginning of the series to, to to get in between clark and lana but they never do anything to make us invested in him so that that drama between the three of them becomes drama it's it's it's, right. it's 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 not dramatic because we and don't care about Whitney. Well, you did need to resolve what happened between Clark and Lana too, because that was a big 
You know, there's a lot that happens. At least have Whitney drive up or something and Clark have to awkwardly get away from the conversation, Mm. giving a look of longing, like how he wishes it could be him and her. But then you see it resolving between Lana and Whitney because, like, this Mm. is just one of those moments where it's like you're dating Whitney, but you're having such a tender moment with Clark. You've you've literally just destroyed this guy. His his dad is dying in the hospital, possibly. <laughs> and you've literally you've literally told oh, him no. you're Hold I, on. I, we gotta stop right here. First of all, before this came in, she said she spent the entire day apologizing to people, including Whitney. So she show I don't tell. Like, first, right. screen, first real screen. first rule of screenwriting, show don't tell. The, the, well, the, this is this is why we don't like Lana. Whitney because he never gets any moments to be shown why he's a valid character. He's always I'm not taking it out on Lana. I'm taking it out on the writers. What yes. I'm saying is, did, did, uh, I, I've got nothing against this final scene. It's a good final scene, but we should have had something else before that or alongside that, which 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 makes Fine. Whitney a character. But Whitney is not a character. He's just a tool that they use constantly and then jettison at the end of the season. So I agree with you that that's what he is. But I want to ask you, if you want to have that scene, what scene are you going to take out? The pool scene. (laughs) You're not taking that scene out. You don't need to take a scene out. You just need to shorten others. (laughs) It's like... Oh, it got the whole Pete thing. Like, who cares? Like, we, we, we don't need to see Chloe going to the lab and finding it empty because Lex tells. Um, but I thought you wanted to show, not tell. Yeah, but but you don't do both. You don't show and tell. Okay. Do one or the other. So, you know. Okay. Anyway. Right. You wanted at least 15 listen, seconds listen, spent on, listen, on, on, on Whitney. I, I just... I didn't miss it uh, at look, all. Uh, uh, this, no, uh, listen. Look, I'm not saying I miss it. This, my this, <laughs> my point is, I don't like Whitney, um, and the reason I don't like Whitney has nothing to do with Whitney. It's the way that Whitney is written. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, I just feel like one of the the weak points of the season is Whitney, and and it's and it's down to the writing. Um, and it's it's like. I understand why the character was brought in, and I think that's a valid. It's a valid reason to have a character like this. But if you're going to have that character, if you're going to make those choices, follow through on those choices by making this guy someone that we can relate to and feel for, and make make him a character, make him a human being, so that actually, when we have these moments between Lana and Clark, we're not just we're not just wanting Clark and Lance to get together, but we're also conflicted by the fact that actually there are these other characters on the peripheries that, that we still feel something for. Again, the same thing with Pete. You know, he comes out with a line like, that's right, ignore Pete, he's just a funny guy. And I'm sat there going, no, you're not, because you've shown us nothing in this season to show us that you're the funny guy. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just like... These characters need a bit more work. They're so focused on that trilogy of of uh, of, of Lex, Lana, and and uh, and, and Clark. Uh, like the, you know, Chloe becomes who she is simply because of the saving grace that is Alice and Mac in that role. You know, she's so yeah. good in that role that 
like, like I, I have no doubt that she was intended to be the expository role that they bring in for maybe a couple of scenes each episode. But Alison Mack just kind of really stole it. And then Pete just kind of got dropped. Alison Mack took the place that really should have been that character. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm just saying this, this episode does highlight the strongest weakness of this season, which was these periphery characters that they just didn't really know what to do with. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you about 98%. But I say at the same time that it could be they really had to focus on the really establishing the strong relationship with the Kents, establishing, you know, Lex and Clark, Lana and Clark and um, the Luthers. Right. And I think that those are really important. And so there was just less focus on even. Yeah. Like you said, Chloe really, if you watch her in season one, there's not really a lot there either. Right. She's just kind of moving the story along. Exposition. Uh, yeah. yeah. And she's the exposition yeah. character and that they develop her later and she becomes a really great character. But you had to maybe their cast was just too big to really develop these characters and then there was a couple episodes that completely fell through like whitney's episode just didn't Oof. do its job <laughs> so, and he goes through walls that was weird i did oh, feel for him a little bit with his dad i mean there was a great uh episode with um whitney and clark talking about uh you know his his dad being sick the reaper episode <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and overall it, yeah. it wasn't a fantastic episode but there were a lot of great moments it, it has a really great b plot it yeah. has a horrible a plot and it's one of those <laughs> episodes where you just wish that they, they, they just tossed out the a plot altogether and just stuck with that character driven b plot it would have been a, a lot better but uh yeah but we might get there one day anyway nicodemus scores uh, Durban, I'll start with you. What score are you going to give Nicodemus at five? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to give it a three out of five, mostly because of Jonathan. He's hysterical to watch. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you have those powerful moments with like uh, Martha. So there's a lot of stuff in it I do find interesting. I do like seeing, you know, Lex Luthor getting more interested in the science, trying to figure out the meteor rocks and patient with Dr. Hamilton. We need to be doing this on humans. Like you're seeing that dark side of Lex. And it, it, I, there's things like that, that I like, it's not perfect. I felt like it was, ah, maybe I'd probably give it a 2.7. Yeah. Let's give it 2.7. <laughs> so so more than, more you than two and down. I did. But it's, it's a good episode and it's fun, but there's a lot of mm. other episodes in season one that really are, so much stronger. Okay. Uh, Lisa. Yeah, I'd say um, halfway, maybe edging up to three. Yeah. <laughs> again, there's, again, there's better episodes that I, I like, you know, and uh, I think it probably gets there for the um, a higher score for, uh, you know, for the Lana bit. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've, yeah. I've got a feeling Nic Nicole's going to give this a much higher rating. So okay. before she gives her rating, I'm going to give mine uh, just to balance it out. Because as, as much as I've called to attention some things I didn't like, 
they were more things about the season as a whole, not so much this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and though Lana does annoy me a little bit in this one, um, I think uh, discussing it with you guys and whatnot, uh, hearing some of the reasonings and stuff, I, I, I accept that. I think it's. I think actually, there's there's, there's reasons for that annoyance that are, that are quite valid. Um, I actually give this episode a four out of five because I, I, it's it's got a really great first act that is that's hilarious, and I think it gets into some really good character stuff between uh, Clark and Lana, uh, but particularly the the Kents, uh, the moment with Martha, uh, and also some really great stuff. Uh, between Clark and Lex that foreshadows what is going to come with their relationship later on uh, and particularly with, with the way that Rosenbaum plays just some really some scenes that in, in some other actor's hands probably wouldn't have registered that much but because of the way he plays them uh, it, it just yeah it gets gets under the skin of, of Lex and Clark in just a few simple moves and so it's just yeah so it's, it's I think it's a really good episode really strong episode I give it a four out of five. I'm going to go with four point two five. Two five. Okay. I was. I, I'm. I'm. I'm on the fence about giving it a four point five. I really enjoy this episode. I. I, I mean, uh, you guys know I love Clark and Lana, so I. Lana. Hashtag. I love Lana. Yep. I loved Clana. I loved the Kents. I thought Lex was interesting. He's always interesting, though. I thought Jonathan was really interesting in the beginning. I don't know. There's just almost nothing I didn't like about this episode. So how could I? Okay. (laughs) So at an hour and 36 minutes, we're going to call it a day on that one. just want to say thank you to anyone who is watching this after the fact. If you got this far... uh, Fair play to you. <laughs> we we will be back for more. Um, ho- hopefully, we'll try and trim them down a bit. Uh, we, this, this, this this went on a bit longer than I was expecting, to be honest. Uh, but no, had fun. And you know, if you're watching this, I hope you join us again for more. We don't know what episode we will be doing next, but uh, yeah, we will we'll pick one and be with you some point in the near future. Thanks for watching and goodbye from us.